spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Say It Loud Network and Mino Lion Media presents Business First. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host, and we have a good show for you. And one of the reasons I'm excited is because the gentleman that I'm about to bring on heads an organization representative of being able to do good and do well at the same time. Um, his company, um, the partnership he has, the, um, the brotherhood he has with his partners is changing a narrative for um, our communities in a number of ways. Um, one, the importance of narrowing the wealth gap between blacks and whites in this country. Um, and number two, the point that we can actually take care of our communities, that we wanna take care of our communities and we're capable of doing that. Um, he and his partners are developing stronger legacies for their families, which is going to inspire other families to change their legacies as well. And fourth, the importance of not just being an example for others, but showing others how it's done through mentorship and coaching. And so before I bring him on to talk to you all and, and for you to hear his story, I want to just give you a little bit of his background and his company's background, which is called Johnstown's Capital Partners. It is a full service real estate development company offering three distinct areas of operation, an investment fund, an asset and property management company, and a full service construction company, which allows them to acquire, fund, redevelop, and manage assets, but also fund and acquire businesses anchored by hard assets. They are currently focused on the redevelopment and revitalization of Johnstown, which is just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And the gentleman I am about to introduce to you is Laquan Marshall, who is the CEO and head of the fund. Thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule and joining us here, Laquan. Welcome. Thank you so much, Sonia. That was uh, an awesome introduction. <laughs> it, well, you guys are an awesome group. I am so inspired by you. And for all the reasons that I said, and, 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 the, and one of the other reasons that I didn't mention is that you know, we hear so many different stories about black men getting together and, and how they work or how they can't work together. And you and your partners have a really good story. And so I'd like you to tell our listeners just a little bit about how you all, because you all grew up together. Yeah. And so if you could tell us a little bit about uh, your beginnings and, and how the four of you decided to come together and become real estate developers. Sure. So I guess this perspective is centered around me, but there are a ton of different sub-narratives within the group. But I remember my parents, we moved to a small town in New Jersey called Roselle. And I moved there in the third grade. I remember it like it was yesterday. We uh, They pulled up to the house and we're running around like, this is my room and my room. And that same week, you know, it's a very neighborly town and, you know, it's a very tight-knit community that we that we moved to. And, you know, you have your neighbors coming over and knocking on the door. And I remember in the third grade, this kind of kid with the Romeo braids and the headband and his 
Alan Iverson jersey knocked on my door with his mom and he had some jello and he was like, Hey, I'm Dwight and, and we've been friends uh ever since, you know, playing basketball together, you know, getting in a, a little bit of trouble here and there and it was it was a great time. So my partner and I, Dwight Bostick, have been friends and neighbors. He's lived across the street from me since I was in third grade. Um another partner, Satir Stevenson, he and Dwight actually have been friends and he, they both lived in Roselle since kindergarten. So so, you know, we have, you know, over 15, some of us over 20 years of history together. And we met our fourth partner. He isn't on our executive team. He's on our advisory board. But Douglas O'Striker, we met him. He's an older gentleman, uh, 50 years old, uh, 53, actually. We met. I met him when I decided to take a risk back in 2016. I moved from Delaware. I was working at Harris, Philadelphia. And I decided to jump full-fledged into entrepreneurship, into real estate. And I moved from there to, to, to New York. I had my foot in and out. You know, I wanted to have a part-time job. I was actually getting married that year. And I'm working part-time at Bloomingdale's in Manhattan. And he comes in and he's just this like ball of light, just high energy gentleman, very spiritual. And he just, you know, he tells me to this day, he's like, God sent you to me, right? Like, he had um, a lot of capital, right? Uh, older African-American gentleman, he had a lot of capital. He didn't really have the technical skills or knowledge in the real estate industry. Had a lot of the knowledge and technical skills, but didn't have the capital. So it was almost a perfect marriage. We started to buy property and invest together. And ultimately, you know, Doug helped me really, you know, kind of get ways deep into real estate into development, right, into investing. And, you know, we reconnected. I started to make my way slowly but surely back home to New Jersey after college. And my partner, Satir, and Dwight all did the same thing. We found ourselves in business, in real estate. I was a bit further ahead, and we decided to reconnect. They reached out and said, hey, I see what you're doing, you know, via Instagram. And they're like, you know, we're looking to do this. And one thing led into another, and you know, we decided to, you know, develop a real estate development company together. And it's been, wow. it's been, uh, it's been beautiful ever since. So you, does it ever amaze you like how much of a perfect storm you guys are? Like, it's not just a friendship, not just the fact that you all have like the same kind of background, but even what you studied in school, like there's a mix of sociology, sports management, finance, PR and advertising. Like you guys were, you came into this world to work together and to yeah. do this work. It feels like that sometimes. Other times it's like, <laughs> you know, we go in the back, but um, no, for sure. It's what Doug calls it. You know, we, we can sit, we jokingly say, and, and it's true. He, he's um, our spiritual advisor. Right. And, and when I tell you the man is just, he's awesome, but he's just like this divine connection, right? Like everybody we're, we're heavily faith-based, right? We, we believe in what we believe in. And, and I believe that that's what developed our moral compass. And, you know, God has a plan for all of us. And, you know, he kind of put us together and we all cross paths and develop relationships individually and collectively. And, you know, it's beautiful. It's it's honestly beautiful. Like the way our brains work together and the way there's so much synergy um, in the group. And we jokingly say it, right? Sometimes I can be very all left in my approach to business. And one of my partners, Satir, can be very all right. And, and Dwight is just like straight in the middle. He's very, 
level-headed and he's like listen i hear what you're saying and here's why you're right and i hear what you're saying and i hear why you're right and we're able to put that together and, and kind of you know hit, hit home runs one after another so tell us why you were focused on so we all know that real estate is is a really big industry it's a big field most people understand that real estate acquiring real estate is you know a principle for wealth building and so a lot of people have an interest in it but you know we know that there are very few people of color even fewer black people who are involved in the developmental side and so wh what attracted you to it and what made you think that you could you know you could actually start a business in this area that's a very layered question so it, it starts back to sophomore year in college right so I went to Morgan State University, which is an HBCU. And for those who know about HBCUs, they're typically uh, distressed communities, right? Urban communities. And um, I went to college in Baltimore and East Baltimore. And, um, you know, one of the major issues that plagued our university is that a lot of out-of-state students didn't have adequate housing. They, they couldn't keep up with the housing need for the undergraduates that they were taking. And a lot of us lived off campus, right? So... I lived in an apartment my sophomore year, and I'm curious by nature, right? So I'm going and looking into marketing and taking different classes, and I'm just kind of have my head on a swivel. So I looked, I just one day just Googled my address, the address I was living in, and I looked up the, the land records, and, and I saw how much my, <laughs> my landlord paid for it, and she was a very gracious woman, um, an African-American woman, who actually kind of got my feet wet in terms of a lot of the knowledge base that I have now and connections that I have now. Uh, so, you know, I Googled how much she paid for it and wound up figuring out her mortgage payment. And then I started calculating, okay, well, she rented every room out. I'm like, well, I'm paying this and he's paying this. So she's making this much, right? And and then, I, you know, I paid my rent on time. I, I had a right to ask her questions about this. And she saw my curiosity and, you know, she really was just like, hey, here's the broker I work with. Here's the mortgage broker, the, the real estate broker, and, and, you know, started to answer my questions, connected me to people who can answer my questions. I started learning a lot about the industry. And then um, as time passed, one of my best friends in college, his father was actually a real estate developer. They're Nigerian. So he's first generation American. And, you know, his father owned this huge portfolio. And I think it was a mixture of my curiosity. And then my curiosity forced me to ask questions and and learn more about what was going on. I started getting connected to people who connected the dots for me and, and, you know, being blessed to be around people who were, had knowledge and that opened me up to the possibilities to different sides of real estate, right? I had the mortgage broker coaching me into, hey, this is a really good industry, the real estate broker coaching me. And, and then my, my best friend's father is coaching him and I'm living vicariously through that information because we're working together and I'm learning development. I'm learning, you know, brokering from mortgage to real estate and I'm learning all of these different things. And that at a very early age, and we're talking, you know, early twenties, I'm soaking this information in and starting to figure out uh, how, where do I operate best in this field. And I like to work, you know, I think it, I find it a pleasure to be able to work two, three, five years from now, like a lot of the developments we're working on, these are things that we've been working on for the past two years. People won't see them until three years from now. And we're shaping communities. So I think I have a knack for that, right? And marketing is a lot of planning for a campaign in a year or two years. So I, I, I've developed that skill set to be a planner, to be a creative. And, you know, I, I just think real estate is my medium. Wow. 
Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, Johnstown. So the name of your company is actually the name of a area of Pennsylvania. Yes. Yeah, Johnstown Capital. We um we entered that market almost about three years ago. We purchased some some triplex, two triplexes in that market about three years ago when I was doing some asset management for uh, one of uh, the investors that I represented at the time. And we uh, purchased it through a turnkey provider and we wind up taking over management ourselves uh, to just run the asset a bit to increase the performance of the asset. And as we started to cre- increase the performance, myself and my two other partners, Satir and Dwight, we were at the time looking in Newark. And this is uh, around the time H2Q was happening when they were considering Newark. We were kind of pushed out of the market because a lot of people from the Hasidic community, you know, we were heavily competing and they were actually a lot younger than we were, 21, 20, you know, very early 20s. And, you know, they were taking some of their bar mitzvah money and taking money from their parents and such uh, and purchasing pro- properties in cash, very quick closing, and we couldn't compete. Um, and at that time, I'm managing this asset. In an effort to manage the asset, I started to develop relationships locally. And uh, as I started to develop relationships locally, I started to get a better understanding of the rental landscape. And that ultimately unveiled what we believe is a really huge opportunity to get in the market like Harlem, you know, 20, 30 years ago, right? Brooklyn, 10, 15 years ago, Jersey City, Hoboken. Uh, we see a lot of opportunity and growth in this market. The price points are relatively low in this market, and we're able to have the impact that we wanted to have in North in this particular market. Uh, we were already parked there, so you know we had a vested interest, so we decided to take a bigger position. So ultimately, we, uh, you know, Satir Dwight started helping me manage. We decided to pivot and, and focus our attention there. And initially, we're like, hey, I got a couple thousand, you know, 10, 20,000. They all have the same financial capability. We can purchase 10, 20 units ourselves here. But we, after making relationships locally, we realized what was what was at play. We turned to friends and family to raise a bit of capital um, to take a bigger stake in the marketplace and then provide opportunity to people in our community. So we live by a mantra, our community and legacy, right? So everything that we do is to impact the community that we identify with most, uh, which is our, our Black community, and then to impact our last name, our legacy, right? For myself, my wife, my daughter, and the same thing with Dwight um, and his family, and Satir and his family, and partner Douglas and his family. In terms of identifying, uh, and this would be helpful for, I think, anyone in, in, in any industry, because successful business leaders always have to be able to see the trends and, and look ahead and see what's happening. How do you identify the right market. Like I remember when I, I remember the fight to get black folks to invest in Harlem because <laughs> no one could, everybody was trying to get out of Harlem. Right. Well, and I remember the jokes. I live in Brooklyn. I remember the jokes about like who, like I need a passport to come to Brooklyn. Like who's coming to Brooklyn? Yeah. And the same for Philadelphia. I remember I was started to look at Philadelphia and I remember people saying like, are you kidding me? Philly? Like who's, so how do you like get past the noise and really identify a market that's actually going to work? It's it's really in the data, but there is this kind of running joke, and you know it's it's one of uh, it's one of uh, Warren Buffett's philosophies, right? When people are running away from something, you run towards it, right? Because um, that's where the opportunity is. 
So the same thing, right? People are in this market that are there and, and it's it's tough to to have a clear vision when you're when you're standing in it, right? When you're looking up and you're looking at the sun, it's gonna be tough for you to see. But if you're above and you have this kind of bird's eye view, you have this level of clarity. So Sometimes outsiders tend to see what's happening in the market more clearly than people that have lived in Brooklyn, lived in Harlem, lived in Jersey City, Philadelphia. We also have a few properties in Philly and I, you know, that's, that's actually doing really well. That market's doing extremely well. But I think as a developer, there are two major catalysts that we look for, right? So you look for uh, job growth, right? So you look at the economic activity, right? Are, are, are there more jobs? Are there more businesses, right? Um, is it is it moving in a positive direction, right? Or what's, what's the industry, uh, the genetic makeup of the market, right? Are they moving towards tech? Are they moving towards coal, right? Like, you know, we can, we can gauge a market based on the economics of it. And then you're looking at the population growth, right? Like, are people moving here? Is this a desirable area? You know, if not, then why, right? Is there a practical solution? So the two major uh, catalysts are really economic growth and population growth. So you look at markets like... North Carolina, you look at um, you look at Austin, Texas, right? Like these are very hot markets where uh, fintech and all of these other tech and financial industries are moving to, and where people are moving to for these jobs, right? So in Johnstown, uh, very early on, we we started to look at the history to to understand why was the market so depressed because it is a very depressed market, right? So you look at Harlem, you look at Baltimore, you look at Philly, you look at Brooklyn. And you start to understand the history and it's in the data, it's in, it's all documented, right? Why is Brooklyn blighted the way it is? Why is Harlem blighted the way it is, right? Because if you look at Harlem, you know, that's East Manhattan, right? So, you know, you're, you're next to the financial hub of the world. Why is this market depressed, right? And, and then is the juice worth the squeeze, right? Because it's all work. So as a developer, you look for you look for the data, you look for the trends, and you try to look for it in places where people are typically running away. And that's where you get the most upside. And that's what we're doing here in Johnstown. You know, we we were highly impressed with. And then you also look at the politics too. That's a bit more nuanced. It's tougher to look at the politics. We were highly impressed at the politics there in Johnstown and how people were reaching across the aisle to get things done. You know, you couldn't tell who was Republican or who was Democrat because everyone gave you everyone's number to because they were the best at what it is that they did. And then we looked at the economics and we highly impressed at the direction uh, that they took, right? You know, just a quick highlight reel. They have two dispensaries and one growth facility open right downtown, right? And in the medical marijuana, we all know that that's a very, that's an emerging industry, right? So there's a lot of upside there, a lot of opportunity, especially if they're pioneering. You look at Philly, which got two vouchers, and Pittsburgh, they got two vouchers, but you have Johnstown, they got three. So myself, my, my, my hunch is like, hmm, there's something there. Uh, you look at a fintech company like Intuit, that's the owner of QuickBooks and TurboTax, and that's one of Intuit's one of seven prosperity hubs in the world, right? So we're like, hmm, you know, so they have medical marijuana, they have fintech, they have a presence in technology, financial technology, they have three major regional banks downtown, hmm, you know, that's a major employer, you have Duke Life Point that acquired a hospital group, and they have two campuses in the city, hmm, you know, that's a major employer, so we were very... Uh, impressed with what was happening there economically, right? There was a lot of diversity. So you have um, defense military contractors located in the city. You have 
Pepsi distribution in the city. You have University of Pittsburgh campus in the city, right? You have all of these major economic pillars. So this is kind of mini Pittsburgh. It's a mini Jersey City, right? Like you have uh, a lot of diversity there. We hadn't seen uh, residential growth, population growth. We've seen population decline, but we looked at the history and what happened there were, it was historically, it was a coal and steel town. And, you know, those industries were dying industries in the U.S. They were outsourced and they shut down Beth Energy, which had 11 coal mines and new steel mills in the city. They shut down, they laid off tens of thousands of employees that caused almost an economic disaster. There was major migration from the market. And then geographically, the city is beautiful, right? It sits in the valley of two mountain ranges. So aesthetically, it's a very beautiful city, but we, you know, it caused some some geographical challenges, right? There was a dam, there was a man-made lake um, and dam above the city, and it flooded the town once. The runoff had fl- flooded the town, but we were impressed at the steps politically that were taken to procure capital for the state to build a canal system through the city, $40 million canal system that acts as a river that runs through the city. Aesthetically, it's an, an enhancement. We, we looked at... Uh, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, took over the dam, and you know that alleviated one of our major concerns of the Central Business District flooding again. There's somewhere around less than a 20% chance it could happen again at the scale in which it happened historically. So we looked at the history, and that caused the dilapidation that we saw. So, okay, question answered. How can we turn this around? And because of this migration, there was a lack of interest. And we believe that that caused very arable land, very fertile soil. And when you anything that you plant there is going to grow. You have economics, diversity there, population growth there. And, you know, all you have to do is put quality housing, right? You know, we looked at the data, and it was like somewhere around 60% of the working population commuted outside the city to, to live. So you have these resources being taken out of the city. So we're like, okay, how do we combat the commuting population? And there was a survey that was conducted in. You know, there was a willingness for people to move back to the city, but if they had a higher quality product, hospitality, food, beverage, retail businesses back downtown. So there are very practical solutions that can happen in this market, right? And that's what we look for, right? If it's too complex, if the Bloods is over here and the Crips is over, you know, you got all of these different variables that are outside of our control, you know, you might want to stay away. But for us, it's like, hey, buy a building, put a Starbucks in it. And put some residential up top, and people will be happy. And then you have a com- if the numbers work out, then then great. So I know that was a long-winded response, but I thought no, but you know, but there was such a value in that because listening to you, you are like a historian for the town. Yeah. <laughs> and so what I think is really important for folks to understand is the level and the depth of research that you did before you made a decision, which. Yeah. So I want you to talk about that. And then I also want you to talk to, I I think when you do that level of of research and investigation too, it means that you're really committed not to just throwing up a building and putting a Starbucks in it, but really how are we going to develop this town? So it's an attractive place and a comfortable place for people to want to live. Yeah. And development, just, just to throw this out there, development is not always that nuanced, right? It's like, Hey, he put a building here, so I'm going to put a building there, right? This yeah. work, it's sometimes it's cookie cutter, right? But I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's an overarching theme in our community that we have to be two to three times as better. Right. What we deserve. So we go that deep into understanding because I have a responsibility because a lot of our investors look like me and they don't have a hundred thousand to lose. 
right? And right off on their taxes. So I have to be really good at what we do in order to secure their investment, right? We take what we do, we take our fiduciary responsibility very seriously. So we need to know why the bus comes at 1016 versus 1014 every day um, in order to, it, you know, it's just it's just a level of, of, of research and seriousness that we take in our, our investment opportunity. But we also want to impact the community positively, right? So that requires us intimately, intimately knowing what's happening there, why it's happened, and what we believe that can happen there. Uh, and we are fortunate, and we circle back to Doug's, you know, a prophecy over us in our divine connection, we were able to really foster some very in-depth relationships with senior leadership there, right? So we're talking about executive director for the development authority for the city and county, executive director for the planning commission and director for community and economic development to get an understanding of what's happening that in order to make an informed investment decision. So, you know, I think research is very, it's very important, right? It's like... <laughs> You know, you're not going to just, you know, go into a department store and just pick the first pair of jeans. You you, you need to know your size. Right. So, you know, we, we, we take pride in the, in the research we do. And it's accredited to largely in part to uh, my partner, Satir Stevenson, who is our chief investment officer. He spearheads our acquisition. So myself, uh, my partner, Satir, my partner, Dwight, we've spent, you know, we've done our 10,000 hours in, in, in learning the industry, learning uh, the market, right, and, and really internalizing how we play a part, right? We could have been a ton of different ways as it related to real estate because it's such a broad spectrum, but we decided to go this way because we believe that we can have the greatest impact and based on what our skill sets provide for us. Tell us a little bit about the three areas of your company and why, because real estate is so broad, why you decided that those three areas are going to be the best area for you to be the full service company that you want to be. Okay. So, so really the three areas of our company, it's really nuanced. So it's like seven, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> areas of our company really came around um, and, it, and it really, it sprawled out of a conversation with an investor. Right. And he is from Brooklyn or Harlem and he saw what happened in Harlem. And we had a really good conversation and he's just like, you know, what, what is stopping them, right, from taking this all away from him? Right. Like what like it came out of having maximum control over the future of our company, the future of the development and in our investors. Right. So we decided to control as much of the development process as possible. So we didn't want to rely on banks too much, right? We didn't want to be at the beck end of, you know, the numbers working, but maybe they're not liking the team or, you know, so we decided to develop a qualified opportunity zone fund, um, which is Johnstown is mostly a qualified opportunity zone. Every square inch central business district is a qualified opportunity zone. And that provides certain tax incentives to investors who have recognized capital gains, and they can roll them into a fund. The fund can then disperse, uh, disperse them into properties and projects. Uh, and then they get deferred capital gains and then capital gains that they make out of the op opportunity based on their maturity time. They reduce their tax basis and then they also completely abate future um, capital gains uh, tax on new capital gains generated out of the opportunity. So we developed this 
qualified opportunity zone fund to be able to take capital in from investors with recognized capital gains. We have a development company. We allow people to invest into a performing company. Uh, so we we decided to develop that part part of our business to have control over the flow of money, and you know it required a lot of research. Uh, we developed strategic partnerships, so that really helped us manage and have control of the money. Right where we don't need a bank, you know. So typically, as a developer, you're looking at a bank participation at like sixty five percent or more, or anywhere from sixty five to seventy percent is what most developers are looking to have an institution participate, we're allowing an institution to participate at 35% into our portfolio in order to maintain control because we control the money, right? So we are not at the beck end of an institutional partner. We now can sit back and say, hey, we have X, Y, and Z set up, you know, who would like to participate in this versus going and begging for, you know, uh, institutional partner. Uh, the asset management portion, it keeps more money in-house, right? So instead of paying a third party, there are not many third party uh, asset management companies that we're familiar with that you know, work in this particular market. So we're like, hey, we can hire right, and be very intentional in who we hire and then control the management and reduce fees for our investors on the back end. And then with the construction company, it's because contractors are very difficult sometimes to work with. You know, it's the same on a commercial level as it is on a residential smaller level, right? You, you, you call up someone off Angie's list and do your kitchen or bathroom and they show up late and they are pocket pocketing too much money and they need, they need an increase and it's, it's very hectic. So uh, we brought some strategic partners in locally to uh, come in as a labor force for our own construction company and we control lower cash and we control the, the entire project from fundraising, designing, uh, and then management posts. So we control the entire development process uh, so that we can create higher returns, A, for our investors, B, so that we can hire, be very intentional who we hire, uh, make sure money circulates in our community. So how difficult was it, or does it still continue to be difficult to be four young men in their 20s and to, to attract investors? Uh, well, at first, it was, it was surprisingly, right? I think it's a challenge, right? For sure. So for everyone out there listening, it is, it is a challenge. It's, it's work. But I think we, because we're young, because we're Black, and because we know our stuff, I think it gives us an advantage. I, I, I truly believe, I, know, I, know, I don't know if you're familiar, if listeners will be familiar with Charlemagne the God's book, Black Privilege, right? Mm -hmm. I think in this time and space, there is a privilege to be young, black and gifted, right? You know, I think friends and family know our character. They, they know how hard we work, how serious we take things. So it was actually relatively easy to raise the first $200,000, right? in order to kind of get the ball rolling because of who we are as people and our network. Um, and it was different increments of cash. And I think because we're very intentional, we realize that we're young, we're ambitious, we're smart, but we lack a certain, we're still a bit wet behind the ears, right? We, we lack some experience. So we are very intentional and we're like, hey, how can we turn this sweetness into a strength? We developed an advisory board with very skilled and very experienced people that are in the real estate development realm or 
have skill sets adjacent to the real estate development realm. I mean, we use though their you know experience and credibility to leverage our youth and ambition and vigor, our ability to kind of get stuff done. Because we're intentional, it as it isn't as hard as people may think it is. I think we're advantaged because of the structure that we have. And I love the fact that, you know, it's clear that you know what you're doing and that you guys are, are skilled and talented, but you have always enlisted the help of mentors and, and people who can guide you through the process. Absolutely. We, we're really, ex- like one of our biggest accomplishments to date, right, um, we bought a, a pretty pretty substantial portfolio, is really enlisting the help um, of our advisory board. We're really grateful for them. And I mean, it's... What we've created is really an intergenerational vehicle, right? It's it's people from our community, you know, men, women that have different experiences and that all add a tremendous amount of value, right? So our board consists of an attorney in real estate and business, practice real estate law, business law, uh, an accountant. He owns his own firm in North New Jersey. He's worked for... APMG and Deloitte, some top firms nationally and internationally, an award-winning designer, right, Courtney Sloan. So uh, Roosevelt Dinette, Andrew Coombs, Courtney Sloan, who's designed BT's headquarters, mm-hmm. designed for Disney, designed for Queen Latifah, P. Diddy, right? Like, yeah. um, Veronica Sutton, who's advocate for affordable housing, has said as president of the Urban League of Hudson County, has developed an immense portfolio in development, right? She's done somewhere over $40 million in development, maybe more. Uh, Reginald Canal, who has a 20 plus years in commercial banking and is a wealth advisor and just an all around great guy. I mean, he's, he's really the glue to our board, but that will leave that. Yeah, that's how we met you through 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 <laughs> Reggie. Reggie's a great connector, which is also an important part of of finding all of the the right people for what we want to accomplish. Was was making sure that you had the right type of support. Were you inspired by that? You had mentioned that how competitive it was when you were in in Newark. Yes. Because there were other communities, the, the Hasidic community was there, and you said you all are young, but you said there were younger people there who were competing and um and going after these these markets yeah moving with an immense amount of vigor too i mean they're 21 years old buying five units cash and two weeks close right i mean this is we thought we were impressive right i I believe you know and we spoke about this uh last night but it's you know i think i did a report in college um about the evolution of oppression right and I think that's why we move with so much intention because we, uh, the team and I, um, are of the same moral compass, right? So, you know, looking at it, right, it's our community is built on a premise of divide and conquer, right? Young versus old, men versus women, light skin versus dark skin, brains versus bronze, you name it, right? We, we look for the differences and we segment ourselves based on our differences versus, uh, looking at looking at our differences and the uniqueness about us and bringing that together, kind of like a puzzle piece, right? And painting this picture to, to propel our community. So, you know, I just, everything that we do, we just combat that, right? We just look at things that they use to hold us down and we flip the script. We, we're like, listen, you know, they typically tell the young, don't get with the old and they don't know nothing and we're 
we're young and we're dumb. And no, it's just this perfect meshup of our energy, our youth, um, our tenacity, and their experience, their poise, right? And, and their advisement may really, I mean, shorten our learning curve. I mean, we wouldn't be able to be where we are without without our board, right? And, and I wish a lot of young, and, you know, be wary. There's a lot of people out here now that are really just trying to sell you product. They're trying mm-hmm. to sell you courses and, and promising you, you know, get rich quick schemes. But, you know, what we really identify with our board is that, you know, they let us know up front, like, hey, this is going to be challenging by a lot of you. Um, we're going to expect a lot from you. And, you know, we're here to help you and support you. But there's a, you, we expect you to do the work, right? And our attorney and advisor and friend, Roosevelt, uh, we, we jokingly call him real estate Rose. Uh, he, he, he calls it a labor of love. And it's because we, we, we love our community and we want to do genuinely good for them. And they love their community and they genuinely want to do good. We just we just all work and we don't think about it. Put the hours in. So you had mentioned last night, um, did all four of you become fathers last year in 2020? Yes. Uh, well, yes. So I think one came in December and then one trailed over into like second, the first week of January. So we, we all have uh, pandemic babies. <laughs> <laughs> you made it through. Yeah. Um, so what is it that you want to, and this business is is, is a, a big part of this business, is the legacy you want to leave for them. What is it that you hope, because we always talk, I think all of us want to leave a legacy. What is it specifically that you want your children, whether they decide to follow in your footsteps or not, what is it that you want your children to be able to walk away from the work that you're doing today? That's a really good question. I want my, my baby girl, Haley, to really look back at the work that I've done now and be inspired, whether it's real estate or hope it is. Um, but if it's not, it's fine. I want her to look back at, at what I've done and know that everything that I've done is for her to be able to do something greater, one. And then two, I want her to, to not focus on the money, but focus on the impact that it has on her pe- on people and community. Um, so I want her to be when she chooses her career path or whatever moves her. I want I want her to make sure that it leaves something positive behind. That that's that's really it. I jokingly said this like three years ago. I'm like I don't care if my daughter decides to play the flute. I want her to be the best flute player that <laughs> be, and I want her to move people with whatever the ability that God gave. Her. And that's it. And I just want her to know that. This chose me, right? God spoke through me into real estate. And, um, you know, this is how I plan to leave a mark on the world positively. And I want her to do the same. So then, and her mother, too. I mean, she's a, she's a lady boss. She's an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And she has a wonderful example as a mom. And, and just look at her parents and just say, hey, you don't have to go clocking and being happy. You can, you can put the work in, serious about what you do. And, and be self-sufficient. And you all also work with a number of, of young people as well. So as much as you've been mentored and coached, um, it's a passion of you all. It's, it's a passion of yours to be able to coach and mentor other folks too. Uh, absolutely. We haven't, and due to the pandemic and all the stuff, we haven't been able to do the give back that we'd like uh, to last year. But for sure, we, we, we pay it forward, right? Like 
Um, there's a program that we're working even with our development now. So we're partnering, actually I should have a call with them tomorrow, but we, we're partnering with this, this nonprofit locally in Johnstown, it's called ACRP, the Alternative Resource Community Program. And they're a nonprofit organization and they, uh, they have a focus on human development. So they take young adults, disenfranchised and disabled young adults, and give them training in the building trades, uh, and then give them on-site experience and help them get gainful employment. So uh, we've uh, deemed our sites as, as active learning sites. Uh, we, we use this program to allow kids that are disabled or disenfranchised, they come from juvenile correction facilities and such, to come on our sites, get training in the building trades, carpentry, plumbing, and then build up that skill set um, in order to, to be productive members of society. That's incredible. Um, if, if people, is, is this for, is this is in Johnstown? This is in Johnstown, yes. Yeah, and so if people were interested in Johnstown and signing up, do they know, would they go to your website? How would they sign up for that? So it would be managed by ACRP. We just provide okay. buildings. Oh, you provide and, the sites. Yeah, and we, you know, we essentially, you know, pay them as a labor force. Okay. Um, but it's through ACRP, through okay. the Alternative Resource Community Program. That organization is actually spearheaded by the mayor of Johnstown. So it's a partnership. Our organization and the executive director and founder is the mayor. I mean, it's a beautiful program. I mean, you know, that's what we're all about. It's just giving it back, paying forward, providing opportunity um, to those less fortunate. Oh, we did do some, I did do something this year. I'm trying to think, like, did I do some give back? My daughter, you, you raise up a child in the path that you wanted to go, right? And if you do a good job, it won't divert, or he or she won't divert. And my wife this year, we decided to do a fundraiser uh, for our daughter. Well, she'll take it over, but you know, we conducted it. But right. she did a toy drive, and she was able to raise 500 toys and books this year for children. So we donated it to uh, um, a foster home. And, you know, it's just... Everything that we do is of service, right? Like, there's this quote on our pitch deck, and we live by it. We, we believe that true happiness is found in servitude of others, right? So we serve the communities we develop, and we serve the investors, you know, that we believe that can be the catalyst for change. And did, did I see that you had given something away as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was in 2020. That was 2019. So we... We put our money where our mouth is, right? So we obviously, actually, yes. We actually did a fundraiser in 2019, and we raised money to house a family in need. Uh, so we raised, I think, two thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars, something like that. But the rent in, in Johnstown is relatively cheap; it's like five hundred dollars a month. So we raised money to to house a family in need, and then we also gave away to somebody that came to that fundraiser. Actually, I'll just name drop her, Jessica Delane. We initially auctioned off a duplex. Well, it didn't auction off, but we gave away a duplex. That's and incredible. Actually, uh, we, we promoted it as a duplex, but it actually was a four unit. It was a quad. Wow, that you gave away. Yeah, we gave away, yes. That's incredible. Um, because we wanted some, you know, everybody talks about this, and, you know, I don't want to seem like, Flustered or frustrated with things that are going on now, but everyone talks about you know community and legacy and giving back and and they're just trying to sell coursework, 
right? Like they're just trying to make a buck off of our community. And it's, um, it's upsetting to me, you know? So we, we decided to combat that to show people what giving back really is, right? So we know that people from our community, ownership really is really the problem. We don't own enough. We don't own enough equity. We don't own stock. We don't own enough property, right? We don't, we don't own enough, right? So we, we were just like, hey, somebody that's coming to this event that's, that's with this cause, you know, we're going to provide ownership. And more times than not, it was going to be somebody from our community because it was our event. The chef was black. The space was black. The event planner was black. You know, you know, it was just a kind of black excellence Monte Carlo night. And the the owner of that duplex, we actually, we did it over to her. It took us like 45 days. We completely paid for the property. She owns it free and clear, no more original debt. And it actually came with two tenants. That is incredible. Well, I would say continue to be frustrated because yeah. frustration is supposed to lead to, to action. And you guys always do that. And so unfortunately, a lot of us will just, we just remain frustrated and complain. But if the, the whole notion of, of being frustrated or seeing things that, that don't work for us is really supposed to inspire us to make those changes. And so you all are such an inspiration on how to do that and how to do that with the entire community, like, and, and to have the entire community benefit from it. And we're, and we're just blessed and grateful to be able to be in a position to do so, right? Like it's, you know, it may seem the joy is really in servitude. Just to be able to, I wish I could pull a clip up now, like when she like screamed, like <laughs> just like looking at that reaction to just know, you know, she's a very bright, she's a really, she actually is an agent in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, and we had a meeting with her after just to know like that we've changed the trajectory, right? Yeah. Absolutely. She's now a property owner. She's going to take that income and buy another one, and then buy. And now her family has changed forever. Exactly. You know, and her family has changed forever. So that's all we do it for: the our investors to be able to generate a return versus you know whatever else they would have done with their cash, right? Like that's you know that to be able to walk past that building and know that we provided quality housing for people in this community and affordable. You know, it's it's yeah. So it, you're not just providing stuff that's affordable or units that are affordable. You want people to feel good about the the properties that they're living in, Absolutely. and and that's important too. Because when you feel good about where you are, you you do you feel better about yourself. You feel inspired to do other things, and so you continue to give in that way. It's all his work. You know, that's what that's what that's what Doug would say. He he would say it's his work. It's not ours. He's just working through us. So is there anything else that, that kind of frustrates you that you haven't been able to, to put into action, but you are ready to do or you're focusing on doing next? Yeah, we, um, it's interesting. We, so we're, my first step, and I, I kind of, every year I kind of write out this plan of what I'm working on, whatever I accomplished from last year. And it's been on my list for some time now. So I want to get into venture, right? So venture capital and we're, team and I, we're using real estate as a conduit for us to be able to get into venture. So in the commercial spaces and the buildings that we have uh, in Johnstown, we're actually, instead of just leasing them out, we're going to be partnering with new and existing businesses to relocate to downtown so that they have, so we're going to just take an equity position where help businesses grow. There's of the 
67 billion some odd billion dollars that are, that are distributed in venture you know less than two percent go into the hands of not just black men and women minority founders right and that's a, and that's a big group that's you know white women that's indian that's asian right so so less than two percent go into our hands and you know i want to do and i Shout out to the guys over at Harlem Capital. They actually are combating that now. Um, but, you know, I think that's there needs to be a bit more players in that space to ultimately uh, taking the, the capital that we gain and the assets that we own, le- re-leveraging that to be able to help more of specifically black men and women uh, start and own and operate businesses. Uh, that's, that's next on my list. Well, I know I can speak for the audience that everyone is wishing you and your partner as well um, and much success. Thank you for taking time to, to, to talk with us and to teach us and to inspire us. I know people are feeling inspired after hearing you speak. And um, and we I hope that some of us will be investors in your fund as well and, yeah. and learn about and, and learn much more about how we can acquire wealth through real estate. Absolutely. And it's a large spectrum. So it's not just development. There's smaller right. ways you can you can participate. So I'm looking looking forward to I don't know if you have show notes, but feel free to leave my contact information in the show notes and yeah, well you can actually let folks know what your website is, what okay. your hash what your um, hashtags are, what your handles are on social media, um, so they can follow you and uh, and stay in touch. So we do have a Johnstown Capital Partners Instagram account, Johnstown Capital Partners, Johnstown Capital Partners. The website is johnstowncapitalpartners.org. I'm Laquan H. Marshall at Instagram, um, on Twitter, uh, and Satir, he's Satir, S-A-T-I-R-I-I-R underscore 14 at Instagram. And I don't know that Dwight's on Instagram, but we do have a company email, Johnstown Capital Partners Plural at gmail.com. If you have any questions about, you know, real estate, we'll, you know, we're open to answering questions. Well, we'll just have to have you come on again. That's all. Yeah, yeah, there's always going to be a lot to talk about. And you were just in the development stage. So we want to, we want to support you as you're moving along. Thank you so much, Laquan. Business First is hosted and produced by Sonia Aline. Associate producer, Lauren Turner. Edited by Ken Johnson. Executive producers, Omar Thompson, Andrew Kalb, and Ken Johnson. Find the Business First podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcast. The Business First podcast is a mean old line media and say it loud network production. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Yeah.